We are Rogue Media Sports. Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Jay King is a writer for The Athletic. He covers the Boston Celtics. He's a former hoops player. And his path to covering the NBA is beyond interesting. And so has his career been so far. I had the chance to talk to Jay about some of the more compelling stories happening behind the scenes in media today. Uh, He's a good guy. You can tell he's a real high character guy. And that's probably why he's experienced so much success. Because when you're covering an NBA team, you have a lot of interaction with players and personnel. And if you're doing stuff that's a little sideways, they are quick to pick up on it. So Jay King is the man. He's got a podcast called Anything is Potable. And he's a writer for The Athletic. You can find him easily. Jay King, coming up. Yeah, so how many years have you been covering the Celtics? Uh, Full-time since, I think, eight years. It, nine years now. Maybe ten. I don't know. I started Brad Stevens' first year. That was my first full year on the beat. So I was, I actually started the year before, like, just in time for the playoffs. Okay. Um, and the playoffs was really quick. It was just one and done against the Knicks. Okay, so that was like 2014, I guess. Yeah, and then they traded Pierce and Garnett and mm-hmm. brought on Brad Stevens, and that was my first year. So Four your years. first full-time year. Uh, how much different is covering the NBA in 2022 as opposed to it was in 2014? It's, I mean, the, it's kind of hard for me to judge that because – so much changes almost on a daily basis uh that you just it's a it's an industry where you really have to just be good at adjusting to stuff and that means adjusting to different types of media like when i first started hardly anybody had a podcast yeah <laughs> like and and now and then becoming a podcaster started becoming you know a, a priority for people and so I started a podcast, I don't know how many years into. Um, this is before right. The Athletic. Yeah, th- this was before The Athletic. I guess probably before I was even full-time on the beat. Um, and and so you had to teach yourself those skills of becoming a podcaster, uh, becoming, I've, I mean, I've tried, I've tried these stupid videos that I do now uh on some app where i speak with video of me over a play like breaking down plays um which is all fun but it's also just me trying to experiment with stuff and try to stay ahead of all the changes that are coming or have already come to to the industry uh so it's hard for me to say how much has changed but a lot has changed yeah a lot has changed for instance today is a game day and so the celtics play the heat tonight you're gonna get ready see the thing about Jay, for people who don't know, is like you're a member of the credential media in a sense where 
there's a lot of people who cover teams and a lot of people with podcasts, but not a lot of them are doing the day-to-day grind that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, just as a guy who used to do PR, I mean, when I by the time I got out of it, it was like bloggers were like, you know, it was a little overwhelming. It was like, who are I was these one people? of those. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of those. Yeah, and you were, it would be hard to get credentials, right? Yeah, so I, I have the, a very strange path to sports media. Uh, my senior year of college, I had to start a blog for a class, and uh I just liked the Celtics. I loved basketball. Uh, I played college of basketball. I'd say play, but I was more just on the team. Where'd you go? Watching other guys play Skidmore College. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, D3 school in upstate New York. Uh, but so I had no training in journalism. The first game I ever covered wasn't like a high school game, a, a Little League game. It was a Celtics game. Uh, so after I started my blog, like, I guess just a few months after I started my blog, I got some paper from Connecticut. I forget what paper it even was, like a really small paper offered me a chance to cover a game with credentials. And I remember walking into the arena and I I was like a huge Celtics fan growing up. And obviously you have to ditch that when you're a writer. Um, But my first time in in the arena, I was like, oh my God. Like I walked past Kevin McHale, it was a TNT game and Kevin McHale was doing it. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and then I thought I was gonna be starstruck meeting the players, but I was most starstruck meeting the the media. And and so Bob Ryan was in the very small Celtics press room. And I was like, oh my God, that's fucking Bob Ryan. <laughs> like I love that guy. And I, like my palms were sweating. I, I was like, this is so weird. But I because I, I always thought it would be the players that I would sort of be starstruck over, but it was my job to be there, and I kind of looked at it like that. Uh, but Bob Ryan, meeting Bob Ryan, man, I was, like, shaking. Is that a like, guy, did you lean, you lean on him over the years? Not really. Or just being I, I around him, you pick to, stuff to up? bother Bob. Like, I, yeah. I introduced myself and, and chat with him whenever I get a chance. Um, but, yeah, him and Jackie McMullen yeah. were both there that night, and I was like, my goodness like like those those are my writing heroes right there in front of me yes yeah, like so, 10 feet away from me cramped in a tiny tiny celtics press room and you know and that's kind of what i'm talking about now you take it over to let's say before a game you know again back when i was working the locker room would open up and there were actually players that would maybe be in there you know now it's a lot different the locker room opens up before a game is it hard to catch guys in there is, is it just not is there not even a chance really yeah, it's it's really hard. Normally, it's the same three people sitting there in the Celtics locker room. So it's Peyton Pritchard, Blake Griffin, and Grant Williams, or Sam Hauser sometimes, sometimes Justin Jackson. Um, so in other words, like very few of the guys you'd actually want to talk to just because very few of the guys that play big minutes. Um, yeah, and like Jason Tatum. I don't know if he he has specifically said he won't speak before games, uh, but it's pretty known like Jason Tatum is not going to speak before a game. So what, even when he walks in the locker room, you know, like you're not going to get Jason Tatum. Uh, and yeah, so it it can be it can be challenging to to get the guys you want. Normally, you have to try to get that done um, at shoot around at practice. Although they they haven't practiced in like a month now, so that's another challenge. Uh, uh, 
and the road the road is always the best access dude that is a challenge just real quick to jump back so they're not practicing every day every other day or when they're in town and you've got to foster relationships with these guys you know and now you let's say you had relationships with guys sure that were on the team in 2016 27 but now it's you know if somebody gets traded it's a brand new player you know they don't know jay king how do you develop relationships when you're getting this limited interaction with guys so with this team, and and it was very fortunate for us writers that the t- core of the team stayed the same through COVID and everything. Because COVID, we weren't allowed anywhere near the guys. Um, and for a while, we were covering games from our couches on Zoom calls. And I had a, a tough Zoom moment, actually. What was it? I thought I was uh, muted. And and nobody could hear me. And on my end, like it said, the audio didn't work. And I was trying to ask a question to Brad Stevens, and I couldn't hear anyone on the other side. And I said, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and uh, ter- turned out that my audio turned on at that exact moment. And it was hilarious because it was after the two, the Celtics fell behind the Heat two zero in the in the bubble conference finals in the bubble. Yeah. And and Brad just answered the what the fuck like it was a normal question. Like he just rolled he just rolled with it and was really funny about it. Um, so that was funny. But yeah, so like during that time, you didn't meet anybody, and so Ime Odoka became the coach and hired a brand new coaching staff, and we had no interactions with the coaches. So so that was another challenge too, because a lot of the time, like talking to the coaches is your your best way to find out what's really going on with the team. Um, then when you're around practices, when you're at shoot rounds, developing those relationships can help you know, like, okay, this guy's not playing a lot, but they have a lot of trust in him, whatever. This guy is working on a new skill. Here's why they're doing this, you know, s- strategy, whatever. Um, so that was really challenging, like not knowing any of the coaches. Uh but the players mostly stay the same. Like they have the same core guys that were, have been there, and that transition kind of stuck at through least COVID. Half my career, yeah. And so, yeah. so I've developed good relationships with a lot of the players through the years. Um, and so, most of them know me, know who I am. But I remember meeting Peyton Pritchard for the first time, and it was after he played a full season. He then came to summer league his second year and I was like, this is weird. Like, I've asked you a lot of questions and stuff, but like, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. And, are are uh, they happy so, to see you guys around again? I think yes and no. Uh, I think, I think they understood um, for like, that it was just not the right way for us to cover a team being, being away from the team and, and not really knowing what's going on and, I doubt that players read closely enough to understand how much our coverage suffered when when we were gone. Um, what was the, some of the biggest setbacks you had covering the team? Well, some some of the biggest stuff was like you only had they would bring three guys to like the Zoom podium or whatever, so you would talk to three guys, and for the most part, it would be Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and whoever else had a good game, and you never talked to the bottom half of the roster. And in my experience, like a lot of guys who are role players who are, you know, whatever, like 
those guys can give you some great information. Um, sometimes those guys are really funny. Sometimes those guys have a great story. Sometimes they can tell you break down the X's and O's in a way that the the premier players aren't willing to do um, because they just like, get asked questions every day and they're kind of into cliche mode sometimes. So missing out on talking to really two-thirds of the roster and not being able to talk, like that was a huge deal and a huge loss uh, for our coverage. So we got like all the normal clips. And then in the Zoom calls, you couldn't really ask a follow-up question because yeah. they would mute you as soon as you asked your first question. <laughs> PR guys uh, were loving this shit. I don't care what anybody says, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Although PR, they hated setting up the Zooms. I do know that. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Because, you know, they had to set up the computer. They had to set up the background. They had to set up the mic and all that stuff that... It's so funny too, like to that's so when there's just a scrum. That's such that NBA PR thing, right? Like there, I talked to my buddy Craig Miller, who does USA Basketball, and he was talking about how finally they just had to get another company to come and set up the zooms because you know you're doing fifty things, and it's like yeah. the zooms are going wrong, and he's getting pissed, and it's like you know they got everybody's got to do it themselves and have to have to figure it out, do it the hard way. Oh yeah, and and us writers, we're idiots, so. <laughs> There, there were some guys who could never learn how to unmute themselves, no matter how many times they try to ask a question. Be like, the PR staff would be like, Gary, <laughs> Gary Washburn, yeah, it's, it's your turn. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Um, what are we doing here, Rusty? What are we going to do? Uh, yep, we're doing the uh, King of the Hill Rewatch Podcast. King of the Hill yes, Rewatch sir. Podcast. Yeah, so we're going to go through one episode at a time. Uh, come along for the ride with us. Come check it out. And, and give me give me a good, um, like, Dale Gribble quote to go out on. Wingo! Yeah, Wingo. <laughs> Wingo. Wingo. All right, well, join us, uh, join us for uh, the uh, King of the Hill Rewatch Podcast. In the heart of Texas, that drinks his brew and he spits his shoe. In the heart of Texas, the TV players, but no one cares. In the heart of Texas, here we go. 911, what's your emergency? Do you hear that? It's coming from the house. It's coming from inside the house? Uh, do you mean, could it be? The Poltergeist. New from Rogue Media, two haunted hotties talking about haunted places. Every episode, we dive deep into the darkest places and give you a bit of history. We're getting spooky in all the right places. You've gobbled your last ghoul. Follow along for the craziest and spookiest stories with Debbie's Dark Tourism. The Stanley Hotel, Winchester House, The Alamo, Hotel Monte Vista, and more spooky places. Find us at the underscore poltergals. P-O-L-T-E-R-G-A-L-S. Look over your shoulder. It's us, the Poltergals. Wherever you consume the podcast, you can find us there.
Hey y'all, I'm April. Hi, I'm Caroline. And we have a new podcast for you. What's it called, Caroline? Uh, Bloody Happy Hour. It's going to be your new favorite guilty pleasure. We're going to talk about some bloody stuff. Serial killers. True crime. Rape. <laughs> Rapists. Why not join us? We'll have a good time. You literally never know. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> bloody Happy Hour. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So now that you're back, uh, you know, in person and stuff, that's been going on for a while, but are, is, is, has the access returned to, let's say, how it was in 2019? Like post-game, how is, do they still do the podium, or are you able to go in the locker room after the cooling-off session? Yeah, we're able to go in the locker room. So it, it's weird now. So they have two tiers. Uh, so one tier is allowed into the locker room, and the other tier just gets press conference access. No way. Okay. Yeah. So so it's weird for for the guys who are there every day because they bring uh, a couple players to the press conference room to give the the second tier people access. Um and then the other guys are in the locker room. So you kind of have to choose whether you're going to go to the guy at the podium, uh, whether you're going to go to the guys in the locker room. So you can uh, pick. And, and sometimes they're they're simultaneous. Yeah, the, the ones in tier one can pick, yeah. Okay, are you tier one, um, tier two? What's, what are we doing? Yes, tier, tier one. Okay. So, so I'm in the locker room kind of scrambling back and forth trying to be able to to talk to everybody. Now, guys um, don't – you talked about Bob Ryan. Guys don't – today guys just don't – I read your stuff. But a player is maybe less apt to read your stuff, right? Uh, yeah. As they would before. I mean, they're maybe more likely to read a tweet. Have you ever had, you know, over the course of your career, have you had a guy read a piece about him where he was like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah, I had Avery Bradley call me over one time. And uh, I had written something really sarcastic about how he took layups like a high school kid or something. I, I don't know. So, something, something along those lines. I think I might have called him. He was taking layups like a JV player or something. <laughs> he, he called me over and he was funny about it. He's like, JV player, huh? <laughs> and then kind of just laughed it off. Uh, another time when it was a little more serious. And I, I don't know if he really read the story, but I wrote a story that was very critical of Jeff Green. Um, and he certainly acted like he had read the story because... <laughs> I went over to ask him questions before a game and he, I said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? He said, sure. And then he, he had headphones on and I thought he was going to take the headphones off and he turned up the volume so that I could like, like loud enough that I could hear the music and realize that he, he did not want to talk to me. Um, so that happened then. Um, but yeah, more often guys just don't, really indicate that they've they've read something that you've written um every once in a while a guy will just say something about it but but the jeff green thing was really important for me because honestly i went way too hard on him and i i, I wrote that he was soft and and some other stuff and and i believe that he he was a soft player at that time um but like it shouldn't be on me. Like if I if I quote someone saying that he's soft, then that can be a story. Yeah. But my opinion that he's soft should not be the story. I should be the one 
getting facts about here's like the defensive rating when he's on the floor. Like this is why he's like his rebound rate is really low for a guy that's six foot eight, whatever. Like that should be what I'm doing when I'm bashing a guy. And so, so that incident kind of helped me realize like to, to do the job a different way. And then if I'm going to take shots at a guy, they better be warranted. I better have facts behind it so that that guy, when I see him the next day can know it's not me that has this opinion about you. It's literally facts that I'm looking at. Um, and here's what I'm hearing from other sources, whether it's players on the team, uh, executives elsewhere, whatever. Um, but yeah, so that kind of helped, helped give me a lesson, even though he didn't know it, uh, he helped, (laughs) he helped give me a lesson into like, the right way to criticize a guy. Oh, there's the rigors too of covering a team every day because if you write something like that, you're showing up the next day and doing your job. You're not a columnist that's parachuting in. And, you know, and a columnist has earned a right to be a columnist in most cases, right? But you can yeah. give your opinion and then you're, you're, you're there once in a blue moon. You're there every single day. Yeah, and, and you have to... I don't want to say you temper your... Um, opinions or whatever because of that but but you you have you have to know like like i said like if i have a strong opinion it's because it's based in fact and and that's the way i approach it and i i try not to be too harsh because honestly like there are a million factors that go into the way a guy plays whether it's the other people on the floor uh the way the coach is using him whatever and i try to be balanced and kind of give all sides of of the story um the good the bad the reasons why the bad might be happening whatever um and that's so i i try not to give too much of a one-sided opinion a lot of the time like like hopefully it's based in fact that's that's kind of how i approach it when when you are covering a team uh and you get a story whether it's from a source uh, or from from a, a player who says you know they want to be anonymous, how hard is it not to report a story that you know is true, but you can't quite corroborate it, and and, yeah. and you, you worried somebody else might might get it first. I mean, in today's world, that's got to be a motherfucker. To me, it's it's not tough because it's the obvious decision. Like if a guy tells you you can't write this, you can't report this, like you just don't because people have to trust you and your sources have to trust you um and and to me the rush to be first the rush to tweet different stuff like that really diminishes i think in some cases the quality of reporting the quality of writing uh and i would much rather have a deeper knowledge of what's actually going on and have people know that they can trust me and tell me stuff than be the first to a small piece of news or even a big piece of news. Uh, like I would just rather have more knowledge about everything I'm writing and, and maybe miss some of the, the more newsy stuff and, and not be the first one to report that, but, but then be able to analyze stuff with more of more input on, on what's actually going on. Um, what do so you that's do? That's how I've always approached it. That's a good approach. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna well hang in there and take this compliment. It's clear you got character, and it's clear you're 
you're comfortable in your own reputation and in your space as a writer because, you know, when I'm insecure, I do insecure stuff, like Russia story, whatever, you know? Um, and it's clear you realize, like, you know, it's a marathon, too, in a sense. I mean, this is a, you want to have a long career as, as a reputable journalist and a guy people can trust. Thanks, yeah. And honestly, like, like I said, I had no journalism degree. <laughs> so <laughs> there's been a lot of learning for me like like that Jeff Green moment stuff like that like that I just had to learn on my own and figure out uh, and I still have stuff like that like 10 years in and I still have things all the time that just kind of teach me different things about the job that that I did, have never known what's uh, it so like it's a fun job in that way yeah what's well you keep you constantly evolve and you're constantly getting better and learning what's it like when you cover a guy like Kyrie and off the floor, <laughs> off the floor, you know, stuff's starting to go sideways. How much of that uh, can you, can you, can you run with? There was a lot of stuff that I couldn't run with and still can't run with, uh, from, from that year, his second year. Cause his first year was totally fine. Like he kind of fit in. They were really good when he played. They were still good when he, when he got injured at the end of the season. Um, but that second year, it was just miserable for everyone, honestly. Like, you could walk into the Celtics locker room, you could walk onto the court at practice and just know there was something severely wrong with that team. Like, you did not have to be around for long to just realize that team was in a bad, bad place. Um, and with with Kyrie, like, that that was really hard to to report on because guys are telling you stories and and guys are telling you things that have happened and you can't report a lot of it. Uh, and so you have to kind of frame the stuff that you can report in a way that reflects the truth. And I, I honestly, like, like that was, it was really tough to, to be fair to him <laughs> because, and I do think like that was, he was just unhappy that year. Um, and I don't know whether it was a personal thing, whether it was team-oriented, whether it was whatever. Well, you probably do was, know, but you can't say, which is fine. No, I think <laughs> I think it was a, probably a combination of a lot of things. Uh, and and it, it was just, like, he had, there was one time in the locker room when there was some girl, it was, I think it was literally like her first day on the job and she worked for one of the TV, maybe like ESPN or NBA TV or something. And she was, she had a camera and she, her, her job was to get footage of Kyrie before a game. And Kyrie was in the locker room and was pissed for whatever reason. Um, and, and like snapped at her for taking footage and then she said i'll so like i'm so sorry like i'll take a different angle if you want uh i don't want you to feel uncomfortable and then he kind of snapped again and it was just like and you guys were uh, in there like it was like yeah it was like a 22 year old girl yeah and you're like like that's that's not good yeah like, just just don't be a jerk man um and stuff like that happened regularly he tried to kick us out of the locker room one time before access was done and <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was pretty funny because then I had to uh his locker was right next to Jason Tatum 
And I had to talk to Jason Tatum. Like I literally had a story that was running a day or two later. And so Kyrie was still there and Tatum came out of the locker room like a little while after Kyrie tried to kick us out. <laughs> and so I'm talking to Jason Tatum with Kyrie right next to me. And I know Kyrie hates me because I didn't leave when he wanted me to leave. <laughs> and Tatum must have been able to tell like, this is weird. Like there's a weird vibe here. But I'm asking Tatum randomly it was probably the one time i've ever asked him about his mom so i was asking him questions about his mom while Kyrie hates me right next to me <laughs> and it, it was just just a weird scene all the way around um and you get the feeling that the, that his teammates aren't in love with that because if Kyrie doesn't want to talk and then you you're, you gotta ask another guy questions and maybe you gotta ask that guy questions you would ask Kyrie. So now you're asking Jason Tatum or somebody else, and maybe not you, Jay, but somebody, yeah. you know, hey, what's up and with he, Kyrie? And guy, veterans are like, dude, would you just talk? You're killing us over he, here. He would throw everybody, all the young guys under the bus um, and just blame them, say the young guys don't do this, the young guys don't do that. I remember that. Kind of a, a season-long thing. Uh, but, yeah, it was just it was just weird. And, and there was some stuff like, so the ga- game five, against Milwaukee that year, they're down three to one. And I'll never forget the way he showed up and sat in the first row at Five Sur Forum or whatever it's called in Milwaukee. Um I guess it was the old whatever the old building was called. Yeah. And he was just Bradley miserable, Center. man. Like, yeah, he was just miserable. And you could just see he was all the way checked out um, and just looking at him. And and that's my opinion, right? And and so I'm not going to write like Kyrie looked checked out, but I can write he sat there like lifeless for, yeah. for 15 minutes while everybody else was on the court getting shots up. Um, and Al Horford, like, remember Al Horford pulled him over and they had a chat for like 15 minutes. And I think he was trying to give him a pep talk uh and it didn't work and and that was like before an elimination game after three games where Kyrie had played very badly he played very badly for a fourth straight time but yeah you you could just tell and there were stories from from inside the Celtic and people think like when someone leaves that there's a smear campaign about that player like after they leave yeah um the oh now you tell us a lot of the time the smear campaign, it's not a smear campaign. It's guys that tell you stories during the season, but you can't share them until like there's a time when you can. Mm-hmm. And and so the stories that were off the record or whatever, like suddenly those are on the record. Yeah. And so it's not like a team and I think there's a misconception in a lot of ways that that pl- like guys just shit on people on the way out when a lot of the times it's they've been shitting on that guy the whole season long (laughs) and (laughs) and and you just weren't able to share that stuff until he's gone how do you how do you deal with uh younger guys that might tell you stuff uh and you know that it's too much do you do you do you say hey like i'm i'm gonna run with this or do you want me to say this do you give them that that warning yeah i think sometimes you you let them know like this is going to look bad, mm-hmm. um, and if if you're cool with that, then okay, because um, you you don't want to 
like, yes, I want the truth and yes, I want to share stuff like that. Um, but also I don't want to, like, I don't want a guy to dislike me because he said something to me and I made him look like an idiot, Yeah, you know? <laughs> and so, so there, there's a balance there. Uh, and, and honestly, it depends on which player too. Um, like a guy that you have a pretty good relationship with, you might be more willing to say like, look, this, this is not going to look good for you, whatever. Um, but honestly, there, there haven't been a lot of times in my career where I've, where somebody said something like that to me. Um, the Celtics, I, I've been really lucky, like throughout my time covering the team, they've had a lot of really good dudes, uh, and a lot of dudes who are pretty upstanding. Would you say that's because, and I'll let you out of here in a couple minutes, it's just, it's a great organization. I mean, cause you look at it. Okay. Like Tatum playing out of his mind uh, again this year, the team is doing so well. Uh, and, but, but it's kind of, you know, Udoka leaves in the off season, but it's sort of plug and play. It's just, I'm starting to think, or maybe I'm the late, last one of the party, but this is just a tremendous organization. Yeah. I, I think, uh, they've definitely been in good hands. The time that I've covered the team, First, it was Danny Ainge. Uh, now Brad Stevens in charge is president of basketball operations. And those are just two solid guys um, on top of everything else. And then, yeah, I, I think – I don't know whether they've they've really prioritized it because obviously they went out and got Kyrie and he's pretty volatile. Uh, but, but they have gotten a lot of guys who are just good dudes. They're willing to – you know, laugh at themselves. They're okay with having jokes about themselves. Um, That's a huge deal. Guys that don't take themselves too serious because you're talking about a league with major egos. Yeah. And and that's, that's like really, really important. And especially like from a standpoint of taking coaching, if, if you can hear you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong and want to hear that, then it really matters. And you can see they've totally transformed their playing style. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown used to be one-on-one guys, used to be stagnant offense guys, used to be like, – it was tough to watch their offense sometimes. And now they have, right now, through 21 games or 22 games now, the the best offense in NBA history. Um, and they're moving without the ball. They're sharing the ball. They're doing all the things that they didn't use to. And, and that's that's because they're coachable. Now, over, um, over the summer, uh, you know, the stuff happens with, with Ime Udoka. And, and Woj tweets it out and then Shams gets involved. But, you know, you're on ground zero with all this stuff. How does a guy yeah. who covers the team every day react to that and, and cover a story like that? Because it's hard for somebody. If there's a, you know, there's a lot of times for people who don't know, there's beat writers who know stuff all year long. But like you said, you can't go with it or, or, or whatever. And not to say that you knew about this, but a national writer can parachute in, drop a bomb, and then kind of move on. What was it like for you on a day-to-day basis to react to that and to cover it? Yeah, that was – so I don't know whether I was lucky or unlucky. So I actually – I got married shortly before training camp, and uh, two of my best friends got married the, the week weekends after so when we were going to go on our honeymoon was going to be in the NBA off season, but we had to push it back to actually training camp. So I left one day after the Udoka scandal broke. 
Uh, so I don't know whether I was lucky, unlucky, because obviously <laughs> it was a very bad time to leave work, but also like that's not really why you get into the business to cover something like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's another really tricky situation where I think a lot of writers heard what happened, um, know what happened and aren't able to say what happened because of privacy reasons, because of like, that's just, you're not going to meddle with someone's life. Um, and so, and it's weird as, as, as feisty as I can be, sometimes you want to know the gossip or you want to know the juice, but at the same time too, you're like, Hey, nice to know that we got a moral code here. We're working with, uh, that, that people w- would, would like to think doesn't exist. Right. Or you would think, but it, it it's, it's there, dude. People know a lot of this stuff that just doesn't come out. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I said, like, that's not what any of us got into this business for. Yeah. Um, and it's really unfortunate for a lot of people and the emotions were it sucks really hard for a lot of people in that Celtics organization to deal with because like he had uh, an intimate relationship with a, a coworker, someone on staff that's people's friend and and that's like it's really real when when your friend is involved in that and emails getting suspended and all the players have all these emotions because they had just gone to the finals. Now their coach is getting suspended. So it like even the players, I think it's been really hard for the players. Obviously, they basketball wise, they've moved on. They they bought into Joe Mazzula. But when Ime was set to coach the Nets before he ended up not getting the Nets job, guys were pissed off. They were like, if he can't coach our team, why is he allowed to coach another team and why are the Celtics granting him that permission because the Celtics would have to give him permission to go to another team and and there's a lot of emotions there um and and obviously the more important stuff was like friendships and all that stuff that that the organization had to deal with uh and that was like a a very deep hurt for a lot of people for a while and probably still is what do you look forward to uh covering for NBA for the rest of your career covering basketball what's for for Jay King what's 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 a happy ending or what's some stuff you want to accomplish do you want do you want to write a book or do you want I mean I know we're early in the game dude but like you know I I I just want to keep my joy for what I do man uh and I I would love to get more into podcasts more into TV but really like I just want to maintain my love for basketball and maintain my love for what I do I watch I I know I've talked brought up Bob Ryan a lot in this podcast yeah yeah that's right I love Bob Ryan watching a game with him he watches basketball like a kid watches basketball he is so excited about every little detail and to 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 experience a game with him it's like man this dude worked in this sport for however many years and has spent his entire life working in a sport that can sap your joy for it. And he is the happiest man in the world watching a basketball game. And he's and still so excited honestly, when you hear him interviewed or you hear him talk. I just, I listened to his audio book, right? Cause I like the trail and stuff. And, uh, Dude, he's just so every, he's so excited talking about sports and hoops and it's contagious. I would imagine. 
it's unbelievable and and just sitting there watching it really is like watching a game with a kid and it's the coolest thing that he still has that much enthusiasm for it all these years later like so cool and so honestly that's what i want and just do my job every day and whatever happens happens that's kind of how i've always approached it uh whatever opportunities will open up will open up um and i'll just keep doing what i want to do and and hopefully do it have fun doing it yeah jay king you're the man dude i'll let you get back to your job i know you're headed to shoot around but dude thank you so much for the time yeah this was fun no thanks a lot for having me you got it man anything is pot uh, potable right yep anything is potable. anything is potable is the podcast uh writer for the athletic jay thank you so much dude yeah appreciate it quite, quite a bit man yep all right dude i'll send you this uh when it goes up a little later thank you so much dude it was that was really awesome for me yeah that was a lot of fun yeah if you ever want to have me on again i'm i'm, I'm glad to do it man all right cool jay i appreciate it man all right, cool. T tell Mike I said what's up. You got it, bud. Take care. Thanks again. All right, take care. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. We are Rogue Media Sports.